Brothers and sisters. Meditating, thinking about uh, the very beginning when God created Adam and Eve and he told them you can eat of all the trees in the garden of Eden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There are many things that we can say about what is the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What exactly does that mean? And there are many theories about it. Um, one of them being that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a tree of morality, a tree that, that represents somehow the objective good and evil that exists in the world and our relationship to that objective good and evil. That it exists in the world as it's, as it's created by God and that human beings are not allowed to play games with it, so to speak. So that the representation of eating from that fruit is human beings taking what belongs to God that God has planted into the world, an objective morality, an objective set of good and evil things, human beings taking it, grasping it for themselves, and reinterpreting it according to their own whims, according to their own desires, so that in nature it is written by God, in the heart of man it is written by God, for example, that uh, to kill is an evil thing. Well, grasping at the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is representing, in some sense, human beings reinterpreting what God has otherwise written in nature and saying something like, well, killing is actually a good thing in every circumstance if I want it to be. Reinterpreting morality, taking morality for oneself, taking morality and interpreting it, defining it the way I want to define it. And this is kind of the age that we live in today called relativism, where people will decide for themselves what is good and what is evil, and it's up to the subject, up to the person himself to decide what is good for them, what is evil for them. But another way of understanding this is by considering the tree of knowledge of good and evil as a tree of knowledge that is beyond human grasp, that is beyond human, the human capacity to understand. Some things we just don't know. Some things are left up to mystery and we have to kind of stand before in awe in the mysteries written in nature, written in human life, written in the heavens. Sometimes it's better to just look in wonder and to think about it and to meditate and to contemplate it and to uh, uh, enjoy its beauty that God has done and so on and so forth. But to seek knowledge that really doesn't belong to us is a curiosity that can end up becoming sinful. And I'll tell you how that works in daily life. Oftentimes, things happen to us in life whereby uh, they're so confusing and they're so, we're left in so much in the dark that either we try, to, we try to attach our own personal interpretation to it so as to add meaning to it that probably isn't there, or we just say it's meaningless altogether. And these are the two kind of extremes. Either I construct my own meaning about these events in my life, and I'm kind of making it up so that I can make myself feel better or comfortable or something, or it's completely meaningless and God, if he's doing anything at all, if he exists at all, doesn't really care. In the gospel reading, 
Some people come up to Jesus and they say, well, what about those people, those Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with, their, with Pontius Pilate's pagan sacrifices? So I think the idea, we don't really have this from history, we only have it historically in the Gospel of Luke, but underlying the story, there, Pontius Pilate must have done something like a massacre or something like that where he shed the blood of some Galilean people and he took their blood and mingled it with the sacrifices that was offered, offered up to pagan gods and goddesses. And this was obviously a huge uh, uh, offense, especially for people that were believers in the true God. This is done intentionally to offend a people. So they come to Jesus and they say, what about these Galileans? And Jesus says, understanding why they're approaching him with this question, Jesus says, well, do you think that Pilate did that because they're worse sinners than other people in Galilee, than other Galileans? No. What about the 18 upon whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that those people just happened to have been standing there where the tower fell and it killed them because those 18 particular people were worse offenders, were worse sinners than everybody else that dwelt in Jerusalem? That's why they were there and not somebody else? No. The idea is these people are attaching meaning to these very difficult events. They couldn't understand why these things happened. Why would Pontius Pilate do that? They couldn't understand why did the Tower of Siloam fall on these particular people? It's a mystery of life. It's a mystery of history, something that has happened that we cannot grasp. And so they attach some meaning to it. What's the meaning? They must be greater, greater sinners than everybody else. That's why it happened to them and not other people. So Jesus does not accept this at all. Because oftentimes, things that happen in history are so far beyond our understanding, becoming curious about them, and then imposing our own interpretation upon these events becomes not just a dangerous thing, but completely erroneous. And one that attaches meaning to it that we're attributing ultimately to God. That God is the one who assorted these 18 people under the Tower of Siloam and killed them because they were these grave sinners. What does that say about God? That Pontius Pilate mingled the, the, the blood of these particular people and not other people because they were worse sinners than other Galileans. Well, what does that say about God? So Jesus says, no. Don't think like that. Don't try to understand something that's beyond our understanding. Don't try to interpret things according to the, the, the small capacity that every one of us has, try to interpret things that are far beyond, far bigger than what our minds can grasp. Let God be God, let God do his thing, and us stand there and watch in wonder and awe. But Jesus goes beyond that too. He doesn't just say, no, don't misinterpret this thing and don't add your own interpretation, don't add your own meaning to this. He doesn't just stop it at that. <coughs> Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So he says, don't worry about why this, this thing or these things happened to these people. Don't think that it's because of their sin, that there were greater sinners than others that this thing happened. But think about yourself. Go back to yourself. You see, because in many ways, the devil doesn't just try to get us to sin, to, to commit bad actions and to develop bad habits. That's obviously the case. He will try to do that. He will try to do that in us. 
But there's an end, there's a goal that the devil has beyond just bad habits and just bad uh, uh, actions. Ultimately, the devil wants us to get, to stop thinking about ourselves and our own faults and to start to think about the faults of others. Ultimately, the devil wants us to become blind to who we are and to all of a sudden see what ev all the wrong that everybody else does. It's like what Jesus says in another part of the gospel where he says, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye? Ultimately, the devil's goal is to raise up our wa the walls of our hearts so high that there be the our heart becomes impenetrable that our pride becomes so inflated, our image about ourselves becomes so big and largesse that we really can't come down and condescend and really be on the level of equality with another person and be able to relate to them human to human according to the dignity that's owed to them. Ultimately, the devil has these bigger sins, these more metaphysical sins in mind when he gets us to do bad things. And that is the sin of the people that are assuming the reasons why these things happen to the Galileans or to the people in, in Jerusalem. What are we to do then? If all these things happen in life, all these things are embedded in nature, all these things are beyond our grasp of understanding, that's very hard for a human being to, to deal with because we are made to think. We are made, human beings are the thinking animal, the rational animal. What are we to do? Jesus says, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And in the case of these kinds of stories, in the case of things that are going on in our own life, sometimes that means letting God be God and letting us be merely human. And let God do his thing in our lives and let us stand in awe before him and allow him to do them and not try desperately to try to understand every particular thing overly analyzing it uh, to the point where we're trying to control it. Because ultimately, I think that's what the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil means. Adam and Eve grasped at the knowledge of good and evil to have knowledge of it in order to control it, in order to manipulate it according to their own desires. That's what that means. So that when we are constantly overanalyzing the things that God is doing or allowing to be done in our lives, we're trying to comprehend it, grasp it, trying to grab at it and understand it and kind of reduce it to, the, uh, to our own minds so that they become understandable so that in understanding them we can also control them. Ultimately, it becomes that we are trying to be the controllers, the masters of our own lives and in, in that sense, asking God to exit as the master of our lives. However, Jesus gives us good advice. Let's look at our own souls. Let's look at our own hearts, see where our hearts are. Let's interpret the way we relate to the things outside of us, the way we relate to other people, the way we are relating to God. Let's look at where our hearts need to be fixed, where our hearts are dark and sinful and need transformation. Let's look at these things and interpret these things in light of the mercy and the love of God and then transform our hearts according to His grace so that we become responsible for ourselves and we can avoid looking at the sins of other people and look at only at our own, which we are responsible for. So brothers and sisters, 
Jesus always turns it around to us because we are responsible for ourselves. We are not responsible for anybody else. And to try constantly to attach meaning to what other people are doing or what happens in their lives, to attach meaning to the things that are going on, not just in our lives, but the lives of others, or the world around us, or in history, or whatever it is, to try to attach meaning to it, understand it in a level that is not possible for us, while all the while ignoring ourselves and ignoring the darkness of our hearts, is the devil's desire, so that we never reach what God wants us to reach. Let us rather look at ourselves in light of God and transform ourselves according to His grace so that we may become what He wants us to become and we, we may glorify Him always in our lives. Amen. Amen.